In space, no one can hear you scream. Hey watchers, today's movie is a groundbreaking masterpiece that blends horror and sci-fi and it set the bar for the genre for decades to come. Director Ridley Scott and the film's protagonist Sigourney Weaver hit this one out of the park. And H.R. Giger, the creator of the monster in this movie, did such a good job, he won an Oscar for the best effects slash visual effects for his work. Cryogenic nap time is over, folks, because it's time to head out of this world and explore the 1979 classic, Alien. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Josh, and we try to review movies that are at least 10 years old and see what kind of impact they made or are still making on culture and the film industry. And fair warning, we're big on spoilers here. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of the movie. And number four, is it a midnight watch? So Jeremy, what kind of uh, otherworldly facts and trivia do you have for us? Well, Josh, I'm glad you asked because this movie, as you said earlier today, is freaking stacked with trivia. It's freaking crazy. So We could could do a two-hour podcast on this easily. Right. I was watching the movie and I was like, yeah, I got some stuff to say about it. And I was looking at the trivia and I was like, I may not have time to say anything about this movie. (laughs) Right. So... Uh, it's directed by Ridley Scott. The story is by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shushet. I think I said that wrong. Shushet. And then the screenplay is by Dan O'Bannon. The score is by Jerry Goldsmith. The budget was $11 million. And the box office was $100 million. Let me phrase that. $190 million. That's that's crazy. This came out in 1979. Yeah. That's the same year as uh, that other movie we reviewed, Phantasm. And then yes. two years after the Star Wars movie. So right. that was pretty legit, dude. I didn't know, realize, but this movie was heavily inspired by Star, uh, Star Wars and like other couple other movies, too. Right. 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. And it just... Oh, and of course, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Which is... It's funny to me that they would pick that, but I know that that was such a impactful movie in the film industry at the time. And that's... I mean, I get it. I get why they were inspired by it, but like, I just wouldn't think about that movie personally when I when I see this one. Wait, have but, you seen Texas Chainsaw yet? Uh, not all the way. I've only seen it in bits and pieces. Boom! Well, oh, that was good. <laughs> totally <laughs> went over my head. Uh, not a full dad yet, you know. No, um, that's all right. Uh, You're almost there. Well, the funny thing is. That's the movie we're going to be reviewing next week. So I know. We'll, uh, what, a, what a coincidence. I know, right? Totally didn't realize that until today. But all of our episodes connect in some way. The seven, <laughs> what, seven spaces of uh, Kevin Bacon or seven, uh, six spaces. Right. And well, the way we were trying to do it, it would have been six degrees from uh, The Matrix. Right. But I, I think that joke died like 10 episodes ago. I know. Anyways. All right, so let's see here. It is starring Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafit Kodo. All right, well, let's hear about that synopsis before we jump in, because th- we got a lot of stuff, so go ahead and go I for know, it. I know, yeah, let's get cracking on this. All right, the commercial space tug Nostromo 
is on a return trip back to Earth with a seven-member crew in stasis. Captain Dallas, Executive Officer Kane, Warrant Officer Ripley, Navigator Lambert, Science Officer Ash, and two engineers, Parker and Brett. Detecting a transmission, the crew's computer, Mother, awakens the crew. Company policy requires any potential distress signal to be investigated, so they land on the moon where the signal was coming from, sustaining damage from its atmosphere and rocky landscape. Parker and Brett repair the ship while Dallas, Kane, and Lambert head out to investigate. They discover the signal comes from a derelict alien ship and enter it, losing communication with the Nostromo. Ripley deciphers part of the transmission, determining it to be a warning, but cannot relay this information to those on the derelict ship. Meanwhile, Kane discovers a chamber containing hundreds of large egg-like objects. When he touches one, a creature springs out, breaks through his helmet, and attaches itself to his face. Dallas and Lambert carry the unconscious Kane back to the Nostromo. As acting senior officer, Ripley refuses to let them aboard, citing quarantine regulations, but Ash overrides her decision and lets them inside. Ash attempts to remove the creature from Kane's face, but stops when he discovers that its blood is an extremely corrosive acid. It later detaches on its own and is found dead. The ship is partly repaired and the crew lifts off. Kane awakens with some memory loss, but is otherwise unharmed. During a final crew meal before returning to stasis, he chokes and convulses. A small alien creature bursts from Kane's chest, killing him, and escapes into the ship. The crew attempts to locate it with tracking devices and capture or kill it with nets, electric prods, and flamethrowers. Brett follows the crew's cat, Jones, into a land- landing leg compartment where the now fully grown alien attacks Brett and disappears with his body. After a heated discussion, the crew decides the creature must be in the air ducts. Dallas enters the ducts, intending to force the alien into an airlock, but it ambushes and kills him. Lambert implores the others to abandon ship and escape in its small shuttle, but Ripley, now in command, explains it will not support four people and insists on continuing with the plan of fleshing out the alien. Now with access to Mother, Ripley discovers Ash has been secretly ordered by the company to bring the alien back, with the crew deemed expendable. She confronts Ash, who tries to choke her to death. Parker intervenes and clubs Ash, knocking his head loose and revealing him as an android. Ash's head is reactivated, and they learn he was assigned to ensure the creature's survival. He expresses admiration for the creature's psychology, unhindered by conscience or morality, and taunts them about their chances of survival. Ripley cuts off his power, as they, and as they leave, Parker incinerates him. The remaining crew decides to self-destruct the Nostromo and escape in the shuttle. Parker and Lambert are ambushed and killed by the creature while gathering supplies. Ripley initiates the self-destruct sequence, but finds the alien blocking her path to the shuttle. She retreats and attempts unsuccessfully to abort the self-destruct. With no further options, she makes her way to the shuttle and barely escapes as the Nostromo explodes. As Ripley prepares for stasis, she discovers that the alien is aboard, having wedged itself into a narrow space. She puts on a spacesuit and uses gas to flush the creature out. It approaches Ripley, but before it can attack, she opens an airlock door, almost blowing the creature into space. It manages to hang on by gripping the frame, but Ripley shoots it with a grappling hook. The gun catches as the airlock door closes, tethering the alien to the shuttle. It pulls itself into an engine exhaust, but Ripley fires the engines, blasting the creature away into the depths of space. After recording the final log entry, she places Jones the cat and herself into stasis for the trip home to Earth. 
And, uh, yep, that's courtesy of Wikipedia. So that actually, that was longer than expected. I explained the the synopsis of the film to my wife the other night, and I was a lot shorter than that. (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) um, because there's actually not a lot of plot to this movie. But the thing that right. is... It's pretty straightforward. It's, yeah, it's very straightforward, which is why it initially got some flack from some critics. They were saying that it was a gorilla in a haunted house, a set in space type of movie. Um, some people liked it. Roger Ebert, uh, he liked it straight up, but Siskel did not like it. And so the, um, it was interesting because now it's heralded as like one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. And right. the thing that's amazing about this is Star Wars came out in 77 which of course blew the the doors off the sci-fi genre because before that i think there wasn't they were trying to make serious sci-fi movies but they just right that star wars brought it to a whole different level it actually brought like dirt and grime to it made it made it more realistic and it's just interesting how they literally they come up with another landmark film in the sci-fi industry just two years behind uh star star wars right yeah, and kind of went a different direction than than Star Wars, but with that same level and of and quality of realism. Yeah, and uh, and then up, and of course adding the the horror element to it is um, amazing. Yeah, I mean these guys aren't space marines like the second movie, or they're not heroes or anything. These are just space truckers. These are just guys that right. are just, uh, just trying blue. to just try. Yeah, blue collar workers. Yeah. And uh, the thing That's I thought it. was. The thing I thought was cool is like most of the actors are like above thirty five years old in this movie, and I thought that right. was right. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the things that they you know kind of impressed on the critics was that because normally any kind of adventure, I don't know, uh, thriller type movie would have had a younger cast, right? And they kind of went against that because almost everybody, like you said, was over forty except for uh, Scorny Weaver and uh, uh, what's her name, the other girl, uh, Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, they were the youngest. Yeah, because would, they would have fit more in like the Star Wars kind of bracket as far as having younger actors. Yeah, you know, in a movie like that. You know, it's funny watching this movie again and knowing a lot more of these actors. Like the only person that I didn't, I realized actually that it, that I hadn't really seen in another movie was uh, Yafit Koto, and but I, I've seen him in other stuff since then. So like, it's interesting that. He actually, this is the one of the first movies that had um, a black man in a, a lead heroic role, like in a major film. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Even though te- yeah, technically, okay, so this movie was actually going to be shot for $4 million. And then Ridley Scott storyboarded the entire film and showed it to the executives. And then they doubled the uh, doubled it to, or tri- almost tripled it to $11 million for the budget. So right. then they were able to pull off this different stuff. But the movie is actually... It's a it's a dang good looking movie, but it's 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 it a really there's not a lot of places that they go and they get away with that really well. Right. Well, everything you see is so beautiful and intriguing. Um, I, I did notice when I was reading some info on it. Uh, I noticed that originally this film almost because no one wanted to pick up this movie and it almost got picked up by Roger Corman. Oh who yeah, is you know renowned for his schlocky yeah B movies. B movies. And so this could have just been another, you know, 99 cent bargain bin B movie. Right. And not the epic, like, I don't know if epic's the right word, but just masterpiece that it is. Right. So far, so far removed from, from Roger Corman. And there was just nothing else like it. And I was, I was really surprised how well this movie holds up, honestly. 
for a majority of it. Yeah, that see, that's actually an interesting thing. Uh, Experience-wise, for me personally, I don't feel like it really held up for me. But the look of it um, and the lore that that they put into this, like everything in this, looks awesome. I love, of course, the way right. that the alien looks. I love all the alien stuff, the space jockey in there. I love how all of the retro future type of um, space trucker stuff in the station looks with the Nostromo. Um, that I, I think that that's just. It's really cool looking because, unfortunately, in the 80s, they kind of jumped ahead and they got a better idea of what the future looks like. So, right. they kind of went away from that because, like, when he's sitting in the room talking to Mother, it's like an HP Packard, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I uh, know. That, computer. yeah, not everything in it. Obviously, the computer is incredibly outdated. Like, they had no idea you wouldn't need a, an entire room to house the computer. Right. Yeah. It's still fun um, though. Like it, for me, like oh, it, it, is. it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't detract. It actually, to me, that actually makes the movie more special because it's. I mean, Star Trek had it right, but that that was like people thought that was going to be crazy when Star Trek did it. And so, like this movie, they were trying to do it as as serious as possible, and it worked. Right. But I mean, you could almost you could almost look at it as an alternate Earth type of situation, and their tech didn't evolve as. It, so in some ways, it did evolve, and in some ways, it didn't. Right. Um, is one way you could look at it because they definitely made it look like they'd been around for a while doing this type of thing. Right. Um, I forget the timeline was kind of, it jumps around a lot. I think, I think they have it set in the canon of like 2150 or something like that. Something yeah. Like that. Um, okay. So it's technically, I think it's 2122 because they never say anything like that in the movie. A lot of the lore of the alien franchise comes from the later films. Like they don't say Xenomorph. Yeah. They don't say, um, face huggers or chest busters or anything like that all of the this stuff comes from like the second movie and on the only thing this movie introduced was the was like how people get infected and then the alien morphs and you don't even see the alien fully in this movie which which right. actually i i gotta applaud the makers of this film for the second movie aliens just completely going full out action not hiding as much stuff not trying to do a repeat of the first one they completely go right um, I mean, they don't go completely different, but they, it's still, well, we should review the second one because the second was just so different than the first one. It is. Well, it's a, to me, they're, they're apples and oranges, but they, I don't know, this one really develops the, the fear of what this creature is. And then, so when you kind of apply that to just the balls out action movie that yeah. the second one is, um, it's perfect. It kind of laid the groundwork for it, and then you know why people are terrified and scared of it, but you don't have to spend a lot of time developing that. Like, you don't need to make another horror movie of it, I guess. Right. Um, it changed up the formula, I, for sure. It did, I, and I, I love... I, they're great. I, I love both movies. They're they're just so different. I'm getting ahead of myself, because you know what we <laughs> forgot to do? Oh, yeah. What what do you know? <laughs> hey, Josh, where's the, where's so the first time you saw this movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell this you. This is this is not um, a gimmick. We literally forget this every time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I swear, like only like twice. I think we've done it the way we put it right. in the notes. Um, I remember watching this for the first time. I think when I was thirteen, and really, uh, that's that's you're freaking young. Wow. Right. Well, I for some reason I was home by myself, so everybody, all y'all were out doing an errand or something mm -hmm. so i was home by myself um and i had just put on i don't even know what channel it was on 
but it kicked on i guess it's been fairly near the beginning but i remember watching the, the sequence where they're exploring the ship mm-hmm. and um just it's so intense and i remember being you know kind of freaked out by that and then you know the the egg uh explodes on him right and then they, they get back to the ship and i remember watching it all the way through the the chest buster part and just you know just absolutely terrifying me right and um and then I, I don't remember finishing the movie, but I, I'm sure I watched it a little bit further. But um, yeah, I was pretty scared for sure. And and then to this day, though, that whole sequence is still my favorite part of the, of the movie. Yeah, it's mine I think, too. I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, part of it's the nostalgic part of I just vividly remember watching it and just being so like I'd never seen anything like this before and yeah uh, did not watch scary things at all. <laughs> you know, would not mom and dad would not have let me watch that movie. It was definitely a they're not home. You know, let's see what's on TV. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of situation. Right. That's funny. How about that, you? That, that, mine was kind of similar to that. Like, I, mine, one of those tapes was uh, uh, one of the tapes that my dad took away, and I slowly stole, oh, that's stole right. back. Right. Um, yeah, and finally watched that. I think I saw Aliens before I saw this movie. Oh, interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I watched them all like the four movies, the first four movies pretty fast. Like it, and I did. So I don't remember when, but anyways, I will say this though. Like, yeah, the first time I saw this movie, it, I was on the edge of my seat. I was, it was super tense and I jumped like several times. Like this was super scary. Uh, well, that's yeah. not, not scary, but like I, it was intense. It was really intense when I saw it though. I was just like, right. And I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And then the second movie, you know, I had brought it to a whole different level but uh re-watching this movie this time though knowing everything that was going to happen it was fun to watch it again but the unfortunately since i knew everything was going to happen it didn't have the same effect on me it wasn't as tense just because um this movie is like it's almost more of a i mean it's a horror movie but it's definitely plays by strong suspense roles it's like the original halloween oh, yeah the kills are set up mm-hmm. for like long suspense until it finally happens there's not a bloody movie they cut out actually a lot of the blood and gore uh, that was going to be put That's in this right. movie right yeah other than the the chest buster scene uh almost all the kills are off off uh, yeah. screen or you don't even see them happen at all or it's just yeah just not a lot of blood but right um there's a couple of really legit jump scares though which i thought was cool and even though you kind of know they're coming you're, you're just like oh yep there it is <laughs> yeah yeah, so I got to yeah, you you brought up a point I want to address real quick that yeah, out of these movies, so all of the characters in it and of course Ripley makes it and becomes the face of um of Alien for the first four movies. Um there yeah, most of the people die off-screen and it's kind of the, the only people that get really cool deaths is of course John Hurt with the the chest buster. Like that's right. a that's a legendary scene in cinema. Just people reference that that a lot of people know what it is even if they haven't seen the movie and then the other thing is right. kane uh wait no that's john hurt's character ash who's ian the great ian Holmes yes from you know of course lord of the rings i just he is so underrated but um yeah love him i that that threw me so hard the first time when he starts flipping out when he's trying to kill sigourney weaver and then he starts right the guy uh parker pushes him away and he starts wigging out and i'm like what is going on with him and then when right. parker hits him in the head and like his head like flops over and you see all of the but it's cool i love the the artwork style of just the way that the androids are whether it's all like a milky substance yeah. and stuff it's yeah, gross the, because the guts are so different than any other 
yeah i don't know most android type stuff you would see in other movies are just just straight mechanical and this has such an organic right uh mechanical fusion going on which is pretty cool it's disgusting yeah uh, awesome <laughs> it's disgusting in a totally different way of blood and gore you're just like what what is that and then the part where right. you know they they've put his head on the on the uh, table and then it's ian home acting with you know he's sticking his head through the table so he's acting right. that scene i was watching him closely and the way that he just keeps dribbling the goo out of his mouth while he's talking and he doesn't blink and he looks so yeah so stiff like it's crazy he does such a good job in that like he does yeah for i mean you like you said you know you i mean yeah you know it's a low-tech easy way to you know you know that the actor just has his head through the the table but they just they i don't know man it was it was i don't i guess flawless is the word but it just it's seamless it just it worked really really well to do that low-tech kind of stuff same thing with the chest buster scene where um uh, John Hurt, right? Yeah, Hurt. John Hurt, Hurt. is uh, you know it's that's his head and and arms, but the torso is is what's fake. Yeah, and that's just I don't know. That's just such a I love seeing. I mean, we we say this over and over and over. We love practical special effects. Absolutely. And you see something done like this from almost forty years ago, and or over forty years ago now. Yeah, and it's you know it's awesome. Dude. I would, it's definitely uh, you appreciate people. You know, doing well at that that skill. Absolutely, and to this day, the alien design, um, the whole egg mythology. To this day, I have never seen anything in a movie that is so, for lack of a better word, so alien looking. Yeah, and it's so cool. It's like scary, but um, it's just. Have you awesome. looked at? Have you looked at at Giger? And I apologize, folks. We had this a little bit of a debate before we started this recording. Is yeah, it Giger or Geiger? Is it Giger or Geiger? So, yeah. We we heard something online and went with Giger. But anyways, <laughs> have you seen his artwork that everything was based off of? No. There's a documentary about it that I w- wanted to watch. And I was like, oh, as soon as we started, we knew we were going to re- review this movie. I had planned on watching that because um, I know that his stuff is just freaking like crazy. But yeah, just, um, just, I didn't just get a chance. Google it. It is is dark and disturbing, and uh, I mean very imaginative. But you're like, where does he get these ideas? I mean, this yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it almost it almost doesn't seem like something that was that he did in the '60s and '70s. Um, actually, I don't even know if he did in the '60s. Might have been all in the '70s, but it just it it seems modern, like something you would see today. So he's very yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if ahead of his time or he just or just incredibly unique, you know, to this day. So I, I feel like it was more of a unique thing. I've I really have never seen anything. I love sci-fi movies and seeing like what people think up to that's crazy and outside of the box because I, I want to see something I've never seen in a sci-fi movie. Right. You know, and I feel like Alien brings it a hundred percent. Like when I was a kid and I saw the um, what was that Alien Three video game on Super Nintendo. And then um, I, I didn't get a chance to play it. But then, like, um, like some of my friends down the street, they actually had the little alien um, action figures, and I just thought they were so cool looking, you know? Right. Which is funny. This is the first, this is the first R-rated movie to make a toy line specifically designed for kids. And so, really, yeah, because I totally remember that. Like, there's been other movies that have made action figures and stuff but they're normally for collectibles they're not for kids they're you know like right like the thing has action figures now but they're not for kids they're for people that collect action figures right. um but this one was this like was, legit this was before like terminator and all that even 
Yeah, 79. Terminator came out in like 84. Well, I know when they came out. Oh, they had a toy line even back then? They that early? toy line back then. Because Terminator oh, or Aliens wow. came out in like, I want to say. Was it 86? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense because James Cameron directed that. That was his next one after um, Terminator. Terminator, yeah. So, yeah, but that that's pretty crazy. And it's funny because like I'm sure it sold well. But there is, this movie obviously made a ton of money. And right. I think it's just, it makes sense though, because there wasn't anything like it at the time. It was made really well. And the one scene where they split, they show the engineer um, where the people dubbed him the space jockey, you see the big exoskeleton of him when they're in the alien right. spaceship. Like that scene was almost shot to scale. They were trying, it was like 75% to scale. And then they had Ridley Scott's kids be right. in the actual <laughs> outfits. Did you read that? I did. That was super cool. Yeah, and to make it bigger, and like that was the money shot that made the movie look bigger than than that. And so, um, I the lore and the artwork is what makes this movie so special to me. And yeah, and the uh, okay. So this is one thing also too that I thought was legit is the trailer for this movie. The trailer for this movie, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, to be honest, most old school trailers are not up to snuff with today's trailers. Like they're just right. They're just, I mean, the, you know, people know how to cut a trailer. I, I feel better than they used to. And it was a different audience anyways. But 1979, you go back and you watch the trailer for this movie. There's no, almost, there's no talking. There's, there's sounds, there's scenes of the movie. And it looks so intense that I, if I had seen that when I was, uh, when I, if I was around when that came out, no matter how old I was, I would have been like, I need to go see this movie. This movie looks freaking crazy. Right. No, it's true. I, I can't get over how much this movie stands out compared to the movies of the time period. Um, just, uh, I mean, star Wars is star. Obviously it's amazing, but it's in a way, I mean, it definitely, it captured, it's got the dirty realism, which this movie has too, but then this movie just goes in such a different direction of really fleshing out, um, you know, the, the mythos of of the xenomorph, the alien and this other culture. And, I mean, the groundwork that this movie laid for the other movies going out 30 plus years yeah. is insane how solid it holds up. I mean, you watch uh, Prometheus and you see the, the space jockey, you know, more up close. And it, I mean, it's, it's right there. Right. 30 years later. I mean, it's, it's like the same, that same art design and how they put it together in 79 and it still holds up um, to translate, you know into a modern movie really really well right the one thing so i was like when i was watching the beginning of this movie when they, they find the, the the egg room and stuff and it made me want to go back and watch prometheus again because you're right that they just everything they have around there and then i realized prometheus has really got a terrible script though because a lot of the people in that movie do stupid things that just doesn't yeah. make sense and the thing that i got to praise about alien is none of the people most most of the people, you there's a reason why they do what they do, and so right, even like yeah, they're they're very true to their characters. Yeah, each, each person in there, and whether you like them or not, uh, they they seem very authentic. Right, Parker's always like just freeze Kane, like just freeze him. We don't know what's going on with it, and that makes sense, you know. And then uh, Sigourney Weaver is a strong character from the beginning. She's not like a wimpy character that then turns into right. the final girl. She's a strong character at the beginning. She like straight up is like, I'm not letting you bring in that back on the ship. You got to do quarantine. Right. This is what we're supposed to do. And then it makes sense later why Ash lets it on because that's his mainline directive. So, right. and he's yeah. not even human. So he's, he's a hundred percent about following, you know, the directive. <laughs> right. 
and it's funny watching the movie knowing he's an or he's an android the entire time his mannerisms from the beginning are legit like when you right. see them waking up from the chrono sleep or uh, cryo sleep he's like super rigid looking and everybody else looks natural and then right. just the little things that he does like nobody really talks to him you know and he's just I know trying they keep asking him like have you ever served have you ever served with him before and you know trying to figure out like right. what is going on with this guy right and so i just thought that was that was freaking legit yeah well i totally it was i really was happy because i forgot that he was the android oh really i I did i don't even know how i forgot but i just you know as soon as he started dripping that like milky sweat when he starts to freak out i'm like wait a minute and i started thinking about michael fassbender's character and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe i forgot so i guess it's been a while since i watched this um because it's such an awesome part of the movie <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, everybody, just in case, we just got to point this out. My stupid program crashed about 10 minutes ago into this recording, so we had to go back and start over a little bit. And we totally, uh, you're missing out on Jeremy losing his train of thought and blaming his terrible strawberry. So, what is it called? Yeah, it's freaking gross, dude. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I don't have money for a case of beer, so I'm just going to get this $2 <laughs> item. I'm, it tastes tall like. Boy, this- Dude, it tastes like $2 items. Yeah, I'm like, I freaking go for a Keystone now, and I hate Keystone. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, it it might seem a little disjointed here for a second, but that's what happened. Anyways, back to the trivia. Back to the story. Oh, one thing I I, I really thought was funny is, they when they translated this movie into other languages, did you read that about what they called the movie? No, I didn't see that. So, they called the alien death. So, like, they would be like, basically... So uh, in Hebrew, it was called the eighth passenger, and then they all, and other places Whoa. it was death, the eighth passenger. And then as the movies got more popular, they put they put the alien name back into it. But for a long time, it was death, and then blah blah blah, and so that was the name of the movies in uh, outside of America. Huh. Pretty that's funny. Kind of that's not terrible in a way. I mean, it kind of it definitely thinking about it now kind of makes it sound like a roger corman movie but um yeah <laughs> that's true it's kind of you know accurate in its description yeah no it actually is true that's that's uh, very true this movie though also it was cool because it really did have movie magic in the way it was put together just uh oh, yeah the way with the screenplay the screen and they brought the, the story they brought ridley scott on and then who was a nobody at the time and then he put his spin on it and right. then, I can't no. believe how opinionated he was. So many ideas that he brought to the table. He wasn't just right. someone they brought on to just, you know, yell orders at people. But he, yeah, a lot of input compared to, you know, what the writers and other people were already bringing to the table. Right. And it was pretty cool. Cause it was funny, too, because, like, Dan O'Banion, who uh, was credited for writing the screenplay, who went on to uh, direct Return of the Living Dead. And so he's kind of, like, got his own... Uh, cult following for sure but it's cool though just like him and she said like trying to figure out how to check off all the marks like how do we get the alien on the ship you know and then like right how come they don't just shoot the alien with a gun and i thought that like the whole idea another thing too it's like um the acid uh, blood such a cool idea because immediately right. you don't want to shoot it then because you don't know if it's going to eat through the hole and you're all going to die right so that was yeah, just very very smart idea. Yeah, I love that idea. And then the whole idea of, of getting it on the ship instead of an alien like sneaking on, of just 
implanting the the embryo inside John Hurt and then him carrying it back on. Like, and then that was just such a cool idea and that's such a classic yeah. scene. Oh, I know. Definitely uh, some solid sci-fi there. All right, one more uh, little trivia thing real quick before I stop hogging the mic. So, uh, <laughs> also too, they didn't show any, there's no production al- pictures of the alien when this movie came out. So the only time you could actually see what the alien looked like, sort of, was going to see the movie. And I love the theatrical trailer, which is funny. That's just a, that's literally a regular egg, like a chicken egg. Right. And even though everything else after that, the eggs don't look like the chicken egg, but it, that that's such an iconic poster though. Let's see. Um, I got to say, talking about that, um, the, the ending within the ending, it's very satisfying. It was a very, uh, I just, you had that good feeling when you see her finally, you know, you think, well, it's too, it, it's, it, it happens twice, you know, that false sense of, of, okay, everything's gonna be all right. And then she realizes, ah, no, he snuck on the ship. Yes. And then, uh, so then you're back to being, oh, this is so intense. Oh my gosh. And then, you know, then she does finally, you know, get him, and then it's over. And yeah, especially after how tense it is getting to that point. Right. Uh, it's very, it's, I don't know, it was just, I felt very satisfied. I was too, especially both times watching it. And it was funny that Sigourney Weaver, she picked that song, You Are My Lucky Star, which works right. really well. Because at first I was like, why are you singing that? And I'm like, well, you're trying to calm yourself down because like, Right. You think you're about to die. And Ridley Scott was annoyed that she picked that song because it was like it cost a lot of money to get the rights for that song for them right. to have it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, dude. But anyways, the idea though of having this movie be slowly paced versus Star Wars, brilliant idea. It immediately sets it aside from Star Wars because then they could go full out full out inside aliens. For like the action yeah. and all that stuff, and then it would go on in the future when you incorporated the Predator, all that stuff. Which, by the way, uh, Ridley Scott said that the Blade Runner series is also in this universe, which is very yeah. interesting. That is what, but especially when you see the use of androids and the the tech that's involved in this movie, yeah, uh, from the human standpoint, it's it's spot on. You know, going with Blade Runner, it totally makes sense why that would actually be in the same universe. Oh, I also really want to say a shout out to Jerry Goldsmith, which is funny. He did like a classic um, soundtrack to this movie and Ridley Scott didn't like it. So he threw it out and asked him to redo it. And so he redid it, which is funny, though, that Jerry Goldsmith was annoyed at that because he did the soundtrack to Planet of the Apes in 1969, which is another iconic sci-fi movie. Yeah, and it's very it's very intense and. It's weird. It's more sound effects yeah. than than um, than symphony music in that. And so, yeah. with this, I was watching the movie and I was paying attention. You either are hearing somebody's heartbeat or you're hearing the sound of the sun, which is that awesome like um, ASM type of sound almost. And so, there's constantly sound in this movie, and there's not. You don't really get a symphony bit until I think the very end of the movie, pretty much, like when Ridley's like running for her life and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the the opening credits, but I just love how the opening credits makes you feel like space is super empty and you are isolated. Yeah. And yeah, it sets that up well, it, really well. It does. It gets you. You start feeling the tension of that and the, uh, like you said, the isolation and and not knowing what's going to happen. And for being, like, I don't even think it's fair to call this movie a slow burn because when you think about 
scene, you know, sequence to sequence, I don't feel like it drags very much. I feel like it's interesting nonstop for the most part. In fact, the only time I really mm. got bored watching this movie was um, right after the chest buster scene and they're just trying to track it. And I just kind of felt, I don't know, a little bored watching that part. Right. Um, but otherwise, I feel like this movie is just... It, I don't know. I think the pacing on it is actually kind of brilliant, even though it is technically so much slower than, you know, the fast cuts of Star Wars and whatnot. Right. Which is kind of funny. They try to bring it back in Alien 3, but unfortunately, lightning doesn't strike twice. And which is really funny because that was David Fincher's like directorial debut. And he would go right. on to direct masterpiece after masterpiece. And uh, the studio executives kind of totally kept pushing him to like make the next big one and just didn't quite work out as well but anyways i need to watch that movie again too yeah i'm actually really excited to um because i have i've i have not i've only think i think i've only seen bits and pieces of the third one okay and but i've seen at some point all the other ones and but now i really want to just kind of i'm super excited to watch the second one and just kind of just go through the series because i right i know a lot of the other ones get picked apart and whatnot but just just to kind of enjoy it for for what it uh, is, the, for what it is, the canon that is, you know, Alien, and right? Just to see where it goes, and I mean, every uh, every yeah. movie has a good part of it. Not well, I would excuse the Alien, Alien versus Predator movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, we won't we won't go there. That's no. a that's some, that's its own franchise, really. Right. It, I mean, technically, it really is. Um, it doesn't make sense, but anyways, um, I mean, yeah, Alien Resurrection though. What's the good thing about that? It's got Ron Perlman in it. Immediately makes exactly. it a, a little bit better. <laughs> right. So already, uh, already into it. Right. Okay. Going back to this movie. Let's see here. Um, we talked about. Oh yeah, the chestbuster scene was actually. So they had to shoot this scene twice. Apparently, people thought it was like shot once, but it's shot twice. But the first time, or the time when it bl- blasted out, like the cast didn't know that the blood was going to spray all over them, and that was like right. real, like animal like organs and stuff that was sprayed out so the room smelled horrible so when that happened like their reaction was all genuine because they're all like ah, ah, like and sigourney yeah. weaver said she thought john hurt was like legitimately like something was going wrong with him um and i i have to admit though watching that scene it's a that's actually a very compelling scene john hurt did an excellent oh, job it's such a scary yeah. scene because you don't know what's going on you talk about when you when you start uh, choking and, and convulsing like almost yeah. yeah like they're holding him down yeah. so he can't react to like his chest so he's just you know yelling and it's not overdone it totally john no. hurt though it's such a good job i mean he's an excellent actor yeah that is that movie that part is so intense and i again i vividly remember my 13 year old self just oh my gosh what am i watching just you know so intense right hey do i forgot if we already talked about like yeah, I think we talked about that. Never mind. I'm trying to remember what we talked about when we lost the <laughs> recording and what I we, know. you know, what we're trying to recap. But yeah, uh, let's see here. Yeah, the editing of this might be a little choppy. <laughs> might be not not as good as the Alien movie for sure. Well, we're right. We're starting to run out of time here. We should probably go into our final edits. So, uh, right. Josh, do you think it hit the mark when it first came out? Uh, absolutely. I think yeah. for uh, the money it made with that budget, I think that's a slam dunk, uh, solid A. Yeah, I agree, solid A. I I would give this movie an A plus because it just blew yeah, it out of I'm the down. water. 
and it became yeah. also too like this is one of the most highest if not the highest horror grossing series of all time let me phrase it horror movie grossing series of all time because like versus uh you got friday the 13th there's like 12 movies in that series compared to right. alien and alien has made has made over 1.1 billion dollars from their movies friday the 13th wow. i don't think has even cracked 600 million yet and but which one's more lucrative it's hard to tell because friday the 13th doesn't cost a lot of money to make those movies compared to the later alien movies but anyways True. um yeah aliens just knocked it out of the out of the park um right. so i give it an a plus i think that they just it's a landmark in sci-fi horror i wouldn't say it's a landmark in movie making history but in that genre it's a landmark film for sure yeah uh what about well, i don't know though it was it wasn't uh the library of congress did um accept it as one of those landmark movies though it's in the it's in the top 100 of all time and like top 30 in some categories so uh i don't know it's debatable i guess yeah it's it's kind of well it's right there somewhere in there uh how uh how relevant do you think it is today what would you give it that's a good question um i also was not sure yeah that's (laughs) a good question exactly (laughs) i did not watch alien covenant um did you see alien covenant I feel like I did, but maybe now I'm second guessing myself a little bit. I, just, I definitely know I saw Prometheus, and I remember waiting for the second one to come out. Yeah, dude, uh, I forgot his name. The comedian, I think it's Danny Masterson from like Pineapple Express, and This Is the End. You know what I'm talking about? Like the yeah. Um, he was oh, in no, that, Danny. Danny McBride. McBride. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Eastbound Down. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> um, he. He's funny because he's a comedian, but I think he helped write Alien Covenant, and then he also helped write the the new Halloween movie. So apparently, he's a pretty good writer. And he's a big horror fan, and that's cool. Oh uh, yeah, so I'm gonna have to check out Alien Covenant. And Ridley Scott came back to direct that, so I was like, that's freaking cool. But anyways, right? Um, what was I going with that? Is it still relevant? It's more relevant than Freddy Krueger, I'll say. So I I'd give it a me. Eh. I'll give it a B because it's still an ongoing series for sure. And yeah. it's, it's an iconic creature. It's not like, I don't know, dude, that's how I'll give it a C plus honestly, because it's like, it's, is it relevant? Like it's, it's an ongoing series, but it's not a runaway hit like it was in 79. Sure. Yeah. I, I had landed on a B because when you look at its, its classic status, yeah, um, for sure. It's, it's super iconic. Um, yeah, and then just seeing how it's led to this uh, kind of enduring film series, and mm-hmm. even and including the spinoff into the, you know other spinoff slash crossover with Predator, um, I think it's it's pretty relevant. So yeah, I'm I'm again I I'm with you. I couldn't I wasn't sure if a C or a B somewhere in there, but I'm gonna land on a B for that one. Okay. How about personal enjoyment? How'd you how'd you like this? Ooh, one? Personal enjoyment. That's a uh, okay. Would I watch this movie again right away? For me, this is. Personal enjoyment. I think I'm going to give it a C, dude, for personal enjoyment. Okay. Realistically, um, it's, I mean, like I said, I love the lore. I love where they took the series. Um, I applaud it for what it did. Personal enjoyment, though, like, it's it's just, it's a cool movie, but it's like, it doesn't keep the effect of the first time I saw it. The first time I saw it, I was blown away. I was, like, scared. I jumped right. multiple times. And this time watching it, I knew what was happening, and I didn't feel like there was enough set pieces that were, like, classically like oh this is cool i felt like there were several times where it just was going 
waiting to get to the next one, which works if you haven't seen it before. So I give it a right. C. What about you? Uh, I'm actually going to give it a B plus because I, I was very much kind of on that nostalgia train, which I can get that way with movies. Oh, cool. And just, it really brought me back to, um, being so fascinated with this movie and, and really scared by it. And I did not like horror movies back then. Mm. Um, I really like horror movies now, especially, you know, that seventies and eighties and it's right there. Um, kind of in the sweet spot, you know, transitioning between, you know, that 70s style and going into yeah. the 80s. But, um, yeah, I think because of that, you know, the good, the, well, the memories I have of that, and then I just really, I just, I don't know, maybe all warm and fuzzy watching it <laughs> this time. And the fact that I forgot about, um, you know, Ash, the whole Android sequence, that just made it a little bit more fun for me, too. Um, but, yeah, no, I actually, I was surprised. Let me put it that way. I wasn't uh, particularly super excited going into reviewing this one, and right. I was pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. So I give it a B plus. Cool. Would you uh, Would you consider it a midnight watch? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say a hard no on that one. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Yeah, it's there's scenes that are iconic that I would watch the scenes, but as soon as the scene's over, I'd go to bed. What about you? Right. Oh, I again getting on that. Uh, oh, getting on that nostalgia train. Oh. Woo! Yeah, no, because of just being so sucked into that movie, I think if it were to come on, I would I would just kind of be, I don't know, it was a formative time in my life, I guess, and it just impacted me so much. And I didn't realize it until rewatching it. Like, I, I'm actually, I would totally watch it again. That's awesome. Right now. So, yeah, so I, I actually, and I didn't think I would, but yeah, I'm giving it a midnight watch. That's, so that's cool. A yes for me. One thing I forgot to do was a shout out for Tom Skerritt. I actually really liked him as the captain and how soft spoken he was yes. like the entire time. And that made him seem more realistic, I guess, because yeah. he's just like, okay, well, this isn't, you know, this isn't the first yeah. thing that I've ever dealt with. That's weird. The only time I feel like he really freaks out is when they, uh, when Sigourney Weaver won't let him back on the ship because of quarantine. And of course, right. like right before he gets killed. But, um, right. And I, th- I just thought well, that was he's kind of that. He's that soft-spoken cowboy. Yeah, kind of. Which, I mean, that's just kind of who he is. <laughs> I think are the types of roles he plays, anyways. But, I mean, but it works. Um, he, it does. No, I think, I think the casting was brilliant. Um, I, I, yeah, I really like that. Anyways, yes. Yeah, shout out to the whole cast. Excellent. Everybody was excellent in this movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, that Absolutely. that about wraps up today's episode. If you guys want to check out this movie. I rented it on Amazon Prime. I could not find it in a way that I could watch it for free. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I rented it on uh, Apple TV or whatever. Nice. What'd you pay for I- it? iTunes. Uh, $3.99. Oh, okay, gosh. I was like, did I get ripped off? <laughs> did you save a dollar? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <I'd-> <laughs> uh, special thanks to our sound producer, Jake Colvin. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it. We would love it. If you shared it with your friends or family, you know, upcoming Thanksgiving, hey, I listen to this awesome podcast, the Midnight Watch podcast. You know, it's it's great. What's it about? Check it out. You know, <laughs> click on it. Click on all the episodes. Anyways. There you go. And when you're done clicking on all the episodes, please subscribe so you get all the all the fresh ones right when they drop. All the uh, fresh love juice. A five- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Dang you, strawberry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, please give us a five-star rating. Uh, we'd love some some positive reviews. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, you name it, we're probably there. 
um please Except for uh, check YouTube. us out on social <laughs> yeah i know we're working on that we'll try to get it we'll try to work on that over christmas next year uh next year social media get us on uh facebook uh and instagram what's the other one instagram thank you yes instagram and if you want to email us please get us at the midnight watch podcast at gmail.com and tinder no not tinder <laughs> <We're> not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway no. anyways our wives didn't hear that <laughs> no <laughs> i'm choking on my own joke all right everybody you have a fantastic week no more strawberries for you no bro. more ban the strawberries <laughs> from uh, yes uh you guys have a great week and as always keep up the watch <laughs>